God with us, Emmanuel. We talked about the virgin birth last week, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ being born of a virgin Mary, and Mary gave birth to a son, and uh, he would be the savior of the world. He would save his people from their sins. That's what we talked about last week, and I want to encourage you to listen to me very carefully. I have nothing good to say today, but God does. So you pray for me that God would use me as a vessel. And as I teach, I seek to be taught myself. I'm on a journey with you. Zach and his family and Crystal, they're on a journey. We're family. So we want to yield before the one who's the savior of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. You see, let me explain it to you like this. This pen is with me. It's on me. But at any time, I can take this pen out of my pocket, and it's no longer with me. Some of you could get up in this service. I'm not encouraging you to do this. But you could be with us now. But when you leave this room, you're not with us anymore. Now watch this. Emmanuel, God with us forever. Christmas forever. Relationship forever. Salvation forever. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is in me and I am in him and I've been baked into his life. Emmanuel, God with us, the song that we sing is a reality that we live Monday through Saturday in our lives. Is that not right? Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the virgin birth, if we would have never had the virgin birth, we would have never been able to experience salvation through Jesus Christ because he came as the perfect holy one. So let's go to Matthew chapter one, where we ended up last week, and I spoke 52 minutes. They gave me a countdown. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I have 38 minutes left. Uh, And I don't mind these kind of things that, that we put up to let us know when we end, but I could care less. It really matters not to me. There's not another service on the backside of this. And the Texans aren't playing today, so some of you are here. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Because Zach told me you would either be at the game or you would watch it on your phone last week, and he was a prophet, and he was right. It was good. No, we're kidding. We're glad you're here today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1. We, we ended up, and I kind of rushed to this point, so I took a slowdown class from last week to this week, so I'm going to slow down. We were on verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done or all this took place, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold the virgin, very important, shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is what we sing about, which is translated God, watch this, with, with us. The width of association, the width that never leaves us, the width that stays with us through thick and thin, the width that doesn't get up when things get tough and leaves our life. He is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God with us. When you have Christ in your life, you have God with you forever. And whatever your days that are numbered and whenever your last breath is breathed, you still will have Christ. And for me to live as Christ and to die, Paul said, is gain. It's a win-win situation. So Emmanuel, God with us has huge ramifications in our life that's important. Then, verse 24, look at the text. This is important. Then Joseph being aroused from his sleep, remember we were talking about that wrestling last week, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. 
and did not know her till she was brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's talk about the virgin birth, how it was necessary, God with us. You know, I remember David Platt years ago, he wrote in his book Radical. He was with some religious leaders and they were talking about who God was. And of course, everybody believes that, that you know, all religions lead to the same place. You know, it's kind of like the example would be God's on the top of the mountain and, and, and everybody takes different roads to get to the top of the mountain, but we all get there some way, somehow. All religions are essentially the same, but that's not true when you believe the Bible. Because there's only one way. And watch this. So he was talking to some leaders, and they were talking about how they could all get to the top of the mountain. And we'd all be friends one day, and we'd all spend eternity wherever that place is one day together. And then so David Platt let them speak. And then he says, have you ever thought about God coming down from the mountain all the way to where man is? And they said, well, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And he said, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ, which is not a religious path to get up to the mountain. You see, our God, obviously, he was in heaven, but Emmanuel is God with us. God came down because we had a sin problem. We couldn't reach up to God because that's what religion is. Religion is man's attempt to reach up to God to try to gain favor with God by doing good works. But Christianity is God reaching down to man through the Lord Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. Do you understand that our God came down off the mountain? This is important to understand. In the uh, Ninth District of the Court of Appeals in San Francisco, there was a cross that was a 100-foot cross. Not as big as that one out there, but it was a 100-foot cross on Mount Davidson. And the Court of Appeals uh, revealed and ruled that that was illegal because it was on government property. And they said, you can't have a cross on government property and the taxpayers are paying. So it was their interpretation of the Constitution and the law that this cross had to come down. Now, the issue is not whether the cross came down or not, because is the cross sinful? No, it wasn't sinful for that cross to be there. So the problem was not on the mountain in San Francisco. Listen carefully. The problem was the sin in the city down in the valley. And I want to tell you, it's the same everywhere. It's the sin in this world that cost Jesus his life. That's why God had to come down. He had to come down and live a perfect life in this world, die a vicarious death on the cross, and raise again from the grave so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven for our sins. Notice what the text says. This is where we left off last week. For verse 21, and she will bring forth the son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. We have a sin problem. See, this is important to understand. We need to be saved from our sins. And the only way to be saved from your sins is to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and realize that you're bankrupt this morning. Realize that you can't save yourself. Realize that the only hope that you have and the only hope that I have is to be broken over our sin and thank Jesus that he died on the cross and paid for our sin so that we could live forever. That's how you become saved. You release into your life the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes into your life and you by faith trust him and you're desperate for him. You're broken for him. Him. You cannot save yourself. Jesus came, the text says, God with us, Emmanuel, to save people from their sins. This is very important to understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about this. He became sin 
who, know, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Remember, Jesus was perfectly righteous. He was perfectly holy. So we need the great exchange. We need to exchange our sinful life for his holy life. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he became sin who knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. The virgin birth of, of Mary, the perfect Lord Jesus Christ that came, he came as the infinite, sinless one. And this is important to understand. And so he died on the cross for our sins. And this is important to understand. So what happens when a person trusts Christ as their Savior, then Christ comes in to live in you. And the best thing that you have going for you, listen carefully, is that Christ lives in you. Not that you come to Sagemont Church. It's that Christ lives in you. Can you imagine? Hebrews 1.3 talks about Jesus being the radiance of God's glory. That Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. And then Colossians 1.21, once a person trusts Christ as their Savior, Paul says Christ comes in the hope of glory. Christ comes in the hope of glory. So you've kind of got this picture here of Christ is in you and you are in Christ. It's a reciprocal it's a mutual dwelling. He comes to live in you, and he's taken care of your sins so that he could put his perfect life in you. It doesn't mean that you won't sin anymore, but it does mean that you're through enjoying your last sin because Christ came to, to die for the sins of the world, and you realize that you're a sinner and that Christ died for you. So Christ comes in. So understand this picture. And then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, which would be us. Like jars of clay is what the Bible says. So when Christ comes in, understand that God's glory comes in. God's glory, the radiance of the sun comes in. So you have the radiance of God's glory in you. You have Christ in you. And then Paul says we're like a, a pot. We're like pottery, if you will. And we are uh, th these pots in earthen vessels. We're, we're like clay from the dust. And God begins to, to make us and conform us into the person that he wants us to be. So this is necessary for the virgin birth for us to be saved from our sins. And when we're saved from our sins and we're saved from ourselves, then Christ comes in and then we're this treasure were this clay and earthen vessels. So see, there are no perfect pots in this room, right? There's no perfect pots. We're just forgiven pots. And so when Christ comes in and God begins to shape you and mold you, but the radiance of Jesus shines through the cracks in my life shines through the pain in my life, shines through the pain in your life. It's Christ in you. You're not perfect, but he's perfect, and he lives in you. So all the things that we're dealing with, fear that we talked about last week, we all got scratches. We all got cracks in our pots. Where Everybody's got a scratch. Everybody's got a crack. Everybody's messed up somewhere, but Jesus lives in us, so therefore he begins to shine through that. He begins to shine in our life so that we can be a blessing to other people. He begins to shine through the cracks and he begins to shine through the pottery so that Christ in you, the hope of glory, would be seen by other people so that they would want to be followers of Jesus just like you. It's as you walk in this life, it's Christ in you. The story of Christmas is that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sin. And not only that, he places his beautiful life inside of you so that when people see you, they don't see you. They see Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in me. 
Christ in you. Together we are better because now we represent him. And through the cracks and through the scratches in our life and through the struggles that we face and when we fall, God still says it's Christ in you and I want to shine. I want to bring people to me. So the story of Christmas is that his beautiful brilliance and the light of his glory shines through crack pots. And everybody in here is a cracked pot that's been saved by the grace of God that is willing to admit I'm a sinner and I need Jesus as my Savior. If that is you today, you can trust him. Before we leave this place today in this auditorium, you can go to our Connection Center, which is right behind this terrace here. You go out these exits, you turn in the doors, there will be people there to greet you to the right, to the left. You turn in and you say, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. I want to know this Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want to know the message of Christmas. You receive God's gift by grace through faith. So the virgin birth, if you're taking notes... It's necessary for us to be saved from our sins. Number two, it's necessary for God to be present with us. Do you know if we don't have the virgin birth, then God's not present with us? Because we have the virgin birth, God is present with us. Look at verse 22. I'm not making this up. So all this was done or all this took place that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Turn, flip to the left, dial it up if you're on your phone or your iPad, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Matthew's talking about prophecy here, and the whole book of Matthew is about fulfilled prophecies, and we're going to go to one at the very end here as I close in a little while. So... Zach, Zach landed that plane right on time. But brother, I've, I've, I've learned just to hover for a while and take a, you know, hit, it's a touch and go. It, it's okay, it'll be just fine. But here we go. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled. So what was the fulfillment? The fulfillment was of the prophecy that was revealed in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Watch this, look at the text. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. We talked about that a lot last week. And bear a son, not a baby. People get enamored with a baby. This is a son. And bear a son and, sh- and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So here's what we have here. We have prophecy being fulfilled. In order for the virgin birth, it is necessary in our lives, God has to be present with us. So there was prophecy in Isaiah. There's the difference between the prophecy uh, revealed in Isaiah and the prophecy fulfilled in Matthew. You see, it's revealed in Isaiah, it's fulfilled 700 years later in Matthew. This is the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's one of the things you can take to the bank. God keeps his promises. There's a lot of people that are promising a lot of stuff and they're on TV and they get big time TV, but they break their promises. But you can be guaranteed when God reveals a prophecy, that prophecy is going to be fulfilled in his time. Now watch this. He sets the pace of his promises because he controls the time of his promises. So what was happening between Isaiah and Matthew is there was the fulfillment of the revelation of the promise of the Lord that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin. So we have faith, so we have faith which is expectation. This is important. So we are waiting with faith. 
And then you have belief, which is when God tells you something and he speaks revelation into your life. He speaks revelation and prophecy. And when God speaks revelation, then you hook into hope that we talked about last week. And hope reels you into the future because you can be guaranteed that God is going to be present with us because he said he would be present with us. And he revealed that promise in Isaiah and he fulfilled that promise in Matthew. So he controls the time between the promise revealed and the promise fulfilled. But waiting is what faith does in the meantime. And we don't like to wait, do we? We don't like to wait. We want it now. But you see, in God's timetable, there's the fulfillment of prophecy. So we learn to wait. We learn to trust him. We learn to understand that God's in control. And waiting is what faith does in the meantime. So he, he sets the pace of his promises, and he controls the time clock on that. And that's important to understand. You know, if you've ever flown standby, you know how you don't like to wait? You see your name on the screen. I've flown standby a lot. And it's, it's a risk. It's a risk when you're going on vacation. You may not get to where you need to go for a day, but it's still cheaper most of the time. And so, so you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you watch your name on that screen and it goes and it goes and you're frustrated. You're, you're, you're feeling anxious. You've got anxiety. You've got fear. You've got, you know, am I not going to make this plane? And all of a sudden they say, Mr. Tomlin, would you please approach to this? And all of a sudden my mourning turns to dancing. My pain turns to joy. And I skip up to the front because I know that I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. But here's the important part about waiting. When you wait, it takes faith. And when you hook into faith, that means you believe. And when you believe, you've got hope for the future. And that is Christmas, that we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can put our hope into the future that what he said he was going to do, he was going to do. The virgin birth is necessary for God to be present with us. We see that in verses 22 and 23. You know, when you think about sins, you know, that Jesus came to save us from our sins, but there was a fulfillment and a, a, a revelation and a fulfillment of that prophecy. But when it was fulfilled, Jesus came and brought that all into fruition. And that's important to understand. So let's look at the next part of the text here. This is important. So the virgin birth is necessary for us to be saved from our sins, number one. Number two, for God to be present with us. I don't know if I could make it another second if I didn't know that God was present with me. I can't go anywhere where he's not. I don't put him on a hanger when I get home and say, I've been to church, I'll see you next week, I'll pick you. No, he lives in me. He is present with me. And no matter what you go through, God is with you if you've trusted his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Joseph was wrestling with God's plan for his life because he had it all planned out. Now, I love this in verse 24. Here's what the text says. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, Remember, let's go back and tie that in. Remember last week where he was talking about, uh, behold, an angel of the Lord, if you look up in verse 20, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you remember he had some time to, to ponder that. We talked about that last week. He had some time to ponder that. He had some time to think that through. And he began to wrestle with that and he began to think again and again. And one of the things that Joseph did was he positioned himself on top of the promise that God had for him. You know, a lot of times 
we try to figure things out. And I told you last week that, that fear and faith both demand for us to look at something that we can't see. So if you're dealing with a lot of fear in your life, if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety in your life, fear and faith can't reign in the same heart. So you need to hook into faith and that hope that we, when you trust in him will take you into the future and that fear will be removed. And so the idea was Joseph in verse 24, aroused from sleep, did, I want you to circle the word did if, if you're allowed to write in your Bible. did as the angel commanded him and took to him his wife. He did it. It's not when Joseph heard it. It's not when we hear God speaking. Did you know that you can miss God when he speaks to you? Did you know that God could be speaking to you today and you not respond to him and not hear him? So we have to have ears that hear. And so the Bible talks about Joseph did as the angel of the Lord told him to do. You see, you want to get to a point where God only has to say something to you one time. I want you to think about that. You want to get to the point when you're walking by faith and you're trusting him and his plans are higher than your plans and his ways are higher than your ways. And, and, and like we talked about last week, God had to kind of just blow up the plans that Mary and Joseph had because they were going to have children. And the Lord said, no, uh, God said, no, you're going to have a child who changes this world. One child who changes the world. You need to cooperate. You need to, by faith, trust me that I've got everything under control. And so when Joseph was going through this, could you imagine what he's facing in his life? But then it says, and Joseph did, as the angel of the Lord said. He was obedient. This is important. When opportunities come our way, they are existential. They are in the now. God says, obey me now, Freeman. How many times in my life has God spoken to me and I have put off obedience and I have wrestled in prayer and I thought, no, that can't be God, that can't be God. Listen, opportunities are in the now. Joseph got before the Lord and this is important to understand. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Listen carefully. You can't get to a you can't hear the small voice until you get to a still place. And we're so busy, especially at the Christmas season. We're so busy. But Joseph got to a still place where he could hear the small voice and he did as the angel of the Lord told him. He was obedient. This is what's important today for you and I to live in the now of obedience. Because what happens when God opens a door of opportunity, like he has for Zach, like he is for me, here's the two things that we usually do. Either we don't move at all, or we move too quickly. And we talked about last week, you don't want to lock yourself into a plan that overrules God. God's the one in charge. He's the ruler of the earth. He's the one that has our lives all planned out. So we've got to be willing to be adjusting in our plans. Not only do we have to accept what God says, which is what Joseph did, because Joseph, the, the text says, he did as the angel of the Lord told him. He was obedient. When was the last time you were obedient to the Lord's voice in your life? When's the last time the Lord spoke to you one time and he didn't have to say it again because you did it? 
You see, I think this is a word for us today. It's certainly a word for me. We must be able to understand that God is not going to compete with all the noise out there. He's going to speak to us. He's going to make it clear. And our responsibility is to respond to the command and do what he tells us to do. Now listen, we're to hear the word as Joseph did, and then we're to work the word that we hear. We're to do it. We're to respond in obedience. When Zach unveiled that he was feeling led in his family to go to Boston, and I was approached, I was teaching an iConnect class, and I was fine and happy in there. Let me tell you, I was. I mean, we had, we had food air week, air week. <laughs> and they came to me, leadership, Brother John and Chuck, and said, knowing, knowing what I was facing in my family, what Leslie and I have gone through, and my answer was yes. Now, that didn't come from my flesh. That came from the Spirit of God. I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. That's it. And that's all the Lord wants you and I to respond with is yes, Lord. We, we should say yes before he ever asks us what to do. That's obedience. That's faith. That's trusting him. So Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He, he responded. You see, his dreams, he embraced the dream of God and he had to release his dream. And we talked about this last week. Are you holding on to a dream that God's already let go of? For some of you, you're holding on to something that God's already let go of. God's got something bigger. He's got something better. He's got surprises that await you. He's wanting you to walk by faith and trust him and embrace his life so that he can do through your life what you can never do on your own. But I'm wanting to tell you this morning and I'm wanting to say this to myself and as I point the finger here, I've got three coming back. I want to live a life of obedience. I want to live a life of obedience. I want to say like like Joseph said, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. It's not about me. It's not about Zach. It's not about this church. It's not about Brother John. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our focus is on him. Don't focus on me. Don't focus on any man. You focus on Christ. You get your instructions from Christ. The Lord told Joseph what to do. See, the tendency is we want to listen to people when we get in a squeeze. And I know there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. But if you go over to some places in Exodus, and I remember Stuart teaching this, if you listen to bad counsel and follow bad counsel, it will explode in your face. And you can get all the counsel you want, but then you go before the Lord, and if you follow him and it goes against all the counsel that you receive, you follow him. You never follow counsel, you follow him. He's the great counselor, is that not right? He's the one who knows it all. He holds the whole world in his hand. So we trust him. So this is a beautiful thing here of obedience. Let me see if I can explain it to you like this. My son who's in heaven used to come home from school. And he always wanted a new pair of shoes. I'm telling you, that kid had more shoes than he knew what to do with. Daddy, daddy, when are you going to be home? Cole, I'll be home in an hour. Hey, we're going to go to the mall. We're going to go shopping, right? I said, we sure are. But what he didn't understand all the time was there were some built-in assumptions before we go shopping. 
One of them was, and he discovered this, was you do your homework before we go shopping. So when I would get home, he would say, Daddy, Daddy, let's go. I'm ready to go. And I would ask, have you done your homework? I already knew the answer. I already knew it was no. But I wanted to test his faith. And I said, Cole, have you done your homework? No, Daddy. And then he's pulled this on me before. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we go get the shoes first, and then I'll come back and do my homework. I said, no, I've already fallen for that one. We're not doing that. So here's what I would do. I would go upstairs, still dressed. I was ready to kind of get in my pajamas, call it a day, watch football. But I knew better because I knew that my son would get his homework done because of the blessing of the shoes that was awaiting him. He knew that something stood between him and the shoes and it was his obedience to do his homework. So I would go upstairs. I would keep my shoes on, keep my clothes on. That's a good thing. And, uh, and, and be ready. And all of a sudden, about an hour later, here he would come upstairs. And when he would come upstairs, he'd say, Daddy, here's my homework. Let's go. And we would get in the car and we would go. And here's what he said to me. Don't miss this. Daddy, I'm so glad you changed your mind about taking me to the mall. I said, Cole, I didn't change my mind. Here's what happened. Your disobedience (laughs) delayed the blessing that was already earmarked for you that I had for you. Listen carefully. God has a blessing for you and for me that is earmarked for us because he wants to bless us in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that blessing does not come to us when we live in disobedience. And he's waiting for us to be obedient so that he can give us not another blessing, but the blessing that he already had prepared for us as we do as the Lord commands us to do as Joseph did. That's important. That's important. For us to understand that God blesses obedience and he never, never, never blesses disobedience. Some of you have not been obedient to the Lord in baptism. What a great testimony of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when you leave this service today, you go in that connection room and say, hey, I've trusted the Lord, but I have delayed the blessing that God wants to give me because I'm not living in obedience to him. And you can settle it today. You can respond today. You can just say, hey, here I am, Lord. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. This is important to understand. Joseph teaches me something here about how he did what the Lord commanded him to do. Now, I want to take you to a text in Matthew chapter 28. Turn there. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. So Matthew has bookends of Emmanuel, God with us. You've got Emmanuel, God with us in chapter 1. And then you have, in the Great Commission, the last chapter of 28, you still have God with us. So you see, inside Matthew, the bookends is prophecy that has been revealed and now been fulfilled. And so now we have the Great Commission. You say, what does this have to do with Christmas? It has a lot. Because the third point is this. The virgin birth is necessary for us to fulfill our mission. And our mission is accomplished when we're obedient to him. And there's no greater passage about the gospel than Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Let me read it. You follow along. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. Look at this. All things that I have commanded you tied into Joseph. Joseph did what the Lord commanded him to do. We do what the Lord commands us to do. Look at the text. I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, even till the end of the age. Do you see it there? He doesn't say in the text, in Matthew, he doesn't say, and I will be with you. He says, I am with you always. I am with you always. So this is the bookend. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. This is God working in our lives. So when you think about that, the the Great Commission says to go. And it means as you are going, as you are living your life. Now, let's focus in on the word go. The word go means to go. You know, we need a church full of goers, do we not? We need a church of people. See, you come in here to be equipped with the word, but the mission happens when you leave these doors and when you exit for ministry. So a lot of churches say, hey, come here, my pastor. Come here, our choir. Come here, our stuff. Come, come, come. Listen, come is for salvation. You come to Jesus. You trust him for the forgiveness of sins, and he will place his life in you. Salvation is for come. After you have come, listen carefully, everything else is equipping you to go and fulfill what Matthew 28 says. It says here, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. To be a missionary, the greatest missionary, listen carefully, the greatest missionary who ever lived is Jesus Christ. And guess where he lives? In me. In me. He would take residence in my life. You say, Christ in you? I would say, and in you? Right? But Christ in you and Christ in me and Christ in us together, we can fulfill this mission because the virgin birth is necessary for us to be able to fulfill our mission. And our mission is to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Boston, if you will, to take the gospel of grace and faith to the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ as Zach's going to carry that. And notice what the text says in Matthew, teaching them to observe all things. So our discipleship is incumbent upon us teaching that Jesus changes lives, and we have to start at the point of truth. So Matthew here says, God is with you always. Let me tell you, Christmas is more than a baby being born. Christmas is about the fulfillment of prophecy, of a prophecy revealed and fulfilled, and then the fulfillment of the Lord Jesus Christ being obedient to death, even death on the cross, and then they put him in a tomb, and he rose from that tomb. Now watch this, and when Christ comes to live in me, all resurrection power lives in me. You say, I've got a habit I've been trying to break all year long. Can I tell you something? You don't have the power to break it. You can try all you want to break the habit. Whatever your addiction is, we all have addictions. Whether it's fear, anxiety, could be alcohol, could be drugs. But listen, you don't have the power to do that. But Christ in you is the one that uh, has the power. And he breaks the power of canceled sin. And so that power, when you say yes to him, you've just said no to your sin. The problem is we like to focus on the sin. I'll just stop doing this. I'm going to quit this. I'm not going to say that one more time. And you can't do it because you don't have the power to do it. But Christ in you has the power to do it. So you never focus on the sin. You focus on the Savior. And when you focus on the Savior, you'll find that the sin has no place to reign in your life. It's Jesus Christ. It's his power. Go. He says, go. Go and make disciples. 
It doesn't say make converts, because we know that's God's work of grace, God's work of salvation. God saves people today. God can save you today. He's already paid for it. His son has already paid for it on the cross. I'm going to close with this illustration that lets you know that your sins can be forgiven today. I went to, uh, you probably won't realize this, and this is a true story. When we say it, it means we're lying. This is a true story. I went to Dobie High School. I was most athletic. I know I don't look like it now, but I was. And so I had the privilege of going to Ecuador and playing on a team that was represented here from Dobie High School in the Pasadena area. So we flew all the way to Ecuador, and I stayed with a host family. And this host family, uh, the man owned a bank, and he was a member of a country club, had swimming and tennis, and so I was the privilege of just staying in his home. I had the benefits of all who the daddy was. So the daddy took me down to the country club, and he said, Do you? this is old school. There was a big ledger that had everybody's name that was a member of the country club. And, it, and his name was right here. He said, that's my name. He said, you can come here between practice. You can come here before games. You can come here after games. All you have to sign is on the ledger next to my name. He said, it's all been paid for. I said, it has? He said, yes. And so when I would eat a hamburger, I thought that hamburger sure tastes good because it's already paid for. Daddy already paid for it. So there's this big book. There's this big ledger. has all these people's names. But this daddy had said, if you'll go and put your name next to my name, then the price has already been paid. And if you think about that illustration and you take it a little further, we know that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, when we understand what Christmas really is, that Christmas is tied to Jesus coming to save us from our sins, we'll realize that our daddy paid it all. God the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died on a cross, Jesus Christ paid it all. A one-time payment on a cross called Calvary so I don't have to pay for my sins He's already paid for them. And when God looks at the ledger, it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. Your sins have already been paid for on a cross called Calvary. You don't have to try to work it better. You don't have to try harder to stop sinning. You just come to Jesus and say, hey, I want to know you personally. I bow before you. I cannot save myself. I trust you to save me from my sins. That's Christmas. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm not saying be religious. Religion is a dead-end road, and it leads to hell. You cannot be religious. You have to have a relationship. And God, through his son, Jesus, has given us an opportunity to come into relationship with him. And all you have to do is receive the gift. That's what Christmas is. It's receiving the gift. Do you know I was thinking of all the religious leaders that are out there today, that people follow them? They're following people that are dead, but not us. We're following someone who's alive. And if you say, well, I'm following Muhammad or I'm following you know, this person, listen, what they're really saying is we're following the teachings of this person, but we're not following the person. Watch this. When we trust Christ as our Savior, not only do we follow the person of Jesus, a relationship, he's not dead, he's alive, but we follow his teachings and whatever he commands us to do, like Joseph, we do it. 
Not only do we follow a person, we follow the teachings of a person where all other religions follow the teachings of a person who's in the grave, who's dead. Listen, Jesus Christ is alive and he loves you today. And you can walk out of this room and settle once and for all your salvation. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're not sure whether you know Christ is your Savior. Go to the connection room and tell the people there. They love you there. They'll pray with you. They'll encourage you. Whatever decision you need to make today, you can bring it before the Lord. He loves you that much. Listen, Christmas is a great time of the season if you have Christ in your heart. Would you pray with me? Father, we come. This morning, we're grateful for your love for your purpose in our lives. I pray that you would just continue to work through our lives. Thank you for this message of Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for the band, the way they lead us into the throne of grace and we worship you together. But now we've bowed before your word. We have worshiped in your word. And there's someone in this room that you are commanding them to be obedient in some area of their life. And I pray today that they would not just hear the word, they would work the word that they hear. They would be obedient and do it. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, pray a prayer like this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me, not only from myself, save me from my sin and come in and take over my life. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word and for the truth of it. In Jesus' name, amen.